Disclosure. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, any and all information presented in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized, financial, legal, and or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate, qualified professional prior to making any decision. Thank you. Hey everyone, Ben Kitty here with the Wealth Crypto Podcast. I'm super excited to have my very first guest on. He's a buddy of mine. His name is Tyler Perry Smith and he works at Carta. So without much further ado, we will jump into it. Thanks. What's up, dude? Here we go. How's it going, man? Good, good. Um, well, thanks for doing this, bud. Much appreciated. Um, let me get the disclosure out of the way here, first and foremost. So um, here comes disclosure, guys. So the information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, any and all information presented in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice to determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you. Consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making any decision. So do not listen to us. We don't know what we're talking about. We might know a little bit, but this is uh, obviously not investment advice, so don't take it as such. Um, but anyway, uh, for people who are listening for the first time, my name is Ben Keedy. Um, I am a former financial advisor. Now I sell technology and wealth management and have been interested in investing in crypto basically since 2017. So the point of this podcast talk, whatever you want to call it specifically, is really to explore the solutions specifically available to the wealth management industry in regards to crypto. So in light of that, um, I've got a couple of my buddies joining me for the first few podcasts because obviously no one wants to join the very first one. <laughs> but uh, my buddy Tyler here um, is uh, our very first guest, one of one. He was one of the original people who got me into crypto back in the day and is heavily involved with it right now. So I thought Tyler would be a great first kind of, you know, talk as far as this goes. So Ty, I'll send it over to you if you want to just give a little Absolutely. bit of what you do. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure and excited to be the first. A um, little bit about myself. Uh, name's Tyler Perry Smith. I am currently a fund controller at Carta Inc. Uh, we technically are a tech company, but we specialize on my team as a fund accounting group. Um, and in particular, I have a background in cryptocurrencies and blockchain solutions for venture capital. So um, within that scope, I get to do all kinds of fun things, uh, whether it's building out products or working with our investment teams uh, and clients on all their accounting needs, um, but it gives me a pretty good scope on the markets overall. I get to watch the capital allocators deploy millions of dollars and subsequently go home and study. So that's uh, that's the gist. Um, but yeah, feel free to fire away if you have any more questions um, and we can dive right into it. Yeah, nice. Thanks, man. Um, well, I think for, you know, I guess just setting it up, like how did you find out about crypto in the first place? Like what was the original interaction that got you here? 
Totally. Uh, so in 2011, uh, I was wrapping up college and had a roommate that was heavy into gaming and was trading in-game items for Bitcoin. And I had no problem giving him a ton of flack uh, <laughs> just in the thought that these currencies were not going to make it. He was not going to see a dollar. Uh, and I was proven wrong years later. Uh, I subsequently got into accounting Um was in the hedge fund space at State Street, transitioned to another firm, was exposed to private equity, and then uh, fell into venture capital through those uh, steps. And as a result, uh, my venture capital job had venture capital funds associated with blockchain and cryptocurrency. Um, some of the first VCs fully dedicated to the space. Um, they had launched in 2014, and I took over the books in 2016. And so... It was a fascinating time, uh, very early in the game. And as I was taking on the position and learning about these currencies more in depth, I was starting a master's degree at St. Mary's and had just signed on some substantial student loans. And so I bought uh, Bitcoin was $700 at the time and Ethereum was $6. So goodbyes even yeah. today's prices so <laughs> yeah so that greatly appreciated to the point where um, about 11 months later I took a year off work uh, became a full-time cryptocurrency trader was a board advisor for three different uh, companies and I'm currently still a board advisor for an up-and-coming project and um, constantly trading and exploring the space still heavily invested managed my own personal portfolio but Uh, During the downturn in 2018, after the the bull run of 17 that hit 20K, um, really just was disappointed having to sell more of my assets to pay rent and those sort of things. So I opted to go back to work, um, took back my position at the venture capital firm, um, and really at that point had a substantial foundation uh, with cryptocurrencies. And so it just kind of fell into place that I took over all of the blockchain team leads um, and clients. And so um, that really got me fully immersed in the space, both professionally and personally. Um, And so I've just been running with it since. I've spoken at numerous conferences around the Bay Area um, and just try to maintain uh, a heavy level of involvement, both professionally and personally. Um, And that's really what snowballed over the years um, to get me to my point now where I'm really building out the what we're hoping to be the best fund admin in the world uh, for cryptocurrencies with the venture capital funds. So looking forward to continuing to produce, um, but we're doing some really awesome things at Carta. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So maybe, um, I mean, that's super comprehensive, but like maybe uh, just take us through a little bit of what exactly Carta is doing right now, specifically with you know, the financial advisor in mind. So like where I'm coming from with this again is that financial advisory is fast adapting to crypto. Like, you know, speaking about the bull run in 2017, CNBC at the time thought it was a huge bubble and just going to end up in tears. Um, You know, fast forward to now, it would appear there are some of the biggest cheerleaders on the street as far as crypto goes. So the industry is changing dramatically. And I think a lot of advisors are, you know, just trying to figure it out, you know, for them, it's still relatively new. The solutions can be opaque and difficult to comprehend. Even crypto itself is, you know, difficult at times for various people. 
So maybe just talk a little bit about kind of how, you know, your role at Carta could, you know, potentially influence maybe some of the solutions that might be available to wealth management now and then, you know, down the road. Yeah, I think there's a lot of parallels that I've drawn both from my personal experiences in the space over the years of watching it grow, watching the the features, I think, are the biggest um, the item that I pay attention to. Things like derivatives markets and that sort of thing that really kind of set that foundation and establish it to be a true market participant. And in that same sense, um, what I've run into at Carta in coming here back in June of last year, we didn't have many features that were solely focused or dedicated towards cryptocurrency. And so a lot of our automation and the features that we pride ourselves on uh, only worked for cash. They were only set up to sync with a bank feed and create um, all those unique features through that. And so as a result, I had that ability to come in and really see the gap that needed to be filled and have been bridging that sense. So I work with a bunch of product engineers and different team members across the board at Carta to really build out these fun services um, to better support these clients. And I think you see that um, across the board in the, the space as a whole, where more exchanges are coming on board. We're seeing Fidelity and those types of players opening up IRAs and other avenues to invest uh, ETFs, all that sort of thing. And I think as the market continues to mature, I think we're just going to have more and more stability. Um, with that comes institutional uh, control over the markets. And we're seeing that now. I think there's been a lot of price suppression and there's just an interesting uh, movement amongst several of the major cryptocurrencies. And I see it both from the background on how these firms are investing and where the big money is going, but also just in the price action of say Bitcoin. Um, the, the, the skies were cleared for us to really take off um, and bounce from the, the 37 K region recently. And it just seems like there hasn't been that momentum. There's suspicion with things like the war in Ukraine and the CPI numbers coming out and rate hikes. I mean, there's, there's plenty of reasons for the markets to do what they're doing, but I also see the posts often on social media and that sort of stuff where I'm tracking what the whales are doing and they've done nothing but accumulate throughout this period. Um, and so when a lot of retail is maybe what I would refer to as panic selling or just uneducated and not unsure of where the market's going, uh, these whales step in and take advantage. And so I think um, through the course of just personal and professional business, I've seen lots of different activity occurring and some of it makes me uncomfortable with the lack of regulation that's out there um, only for consumer protections and that sort of stuff. But I also enjoy the wild west side of things and the ability to enter the market as a retail trader. Um, in many cases, if this was in traditional markets, we wouldn't have that exposure. So I think there's pros and cons, but it all boils down to risk profile and that sort of stuff when you really get into it. Um, okay. So just dovetailing, I guess, a little bit off the end there, um, risk profile is obviously super big for financial advisors. And they, you know, when looking at 
Bitcoin or any of the crypto space, really, I think everyone kind of puts, you know, the highest risk category you could assign to it as far as a client portfolio goes. So like, if you're an advisor, try and put yourself in their shoes, how would you like, encourage them to think about the asset class, you know, in light of maybe a traditional, you know, stock bond, mutual fund ETF portfolio, but then, you know, maybe what, what do you, what else do you see out there? Like, are you seeing other advisors dive deep into crypto and focus a hundred percent on it? Like how, how do you think advisors should think about it and evaluate it relative to their clients? Yeah. Um, I think, some interesting things that I see personally um, are the within these venture funds. I do service some of the traditional VCs, some of the larger players in the space, and they're currently launching 100% crypto dedicated funds. And that was a big eye opener for me. There was always a very clear divide of what they refer to as TradFi or traditional finance type folks who are participating in the standard equity rounds and early seed investments. And then you had the crypto guys and it's now blending. And I think what that means for me overall is just the potential for growth. And yes, there is massive inherent risk, um, but I don't think it's necessarily a, a risk where the market could could get wiped out. It's more adjusting to the regulatory controls that pop up as time comes. So with that being said, I mean, back in 2016, when I started investing, market cap was a couple hundred million. There was, I think, about 1,200 coins on coinmarketcap.com. There's now over 19,000 coins. There's over 500 exchanges. We're at, I think, a $1.7 trillion market cap. And it's still so early. The, the institutions are creeping in very slowly, very cautiously, uh, and really trying to make sure they've calculated that risk um, that we're discussing. And so, so when you say institution, are you talking about like a fidelity, like offering more crypto type solutions to retail? Yeah, yeah. anybody really, um, anyone from even like the micro strategies of the world that really aped in uh, and put it on their balance sheet and all that. I mean, you go back and read the the conversations with Michael Saylor and it took them, I think, months uh, working with Coinbase to really set up these purchases and understand the markets and really get a grip on the exposure that they were um, taking on. And so yeah. I think all that I'm getting at is, yes, there's massive risk and there's the regulatory side of things. But with that potential upside, I think you can counter a lot of it by saying, you're betting on something to fail versus moving with the crowd that's going in a direction of trying to allow it to succeed. And we see that across everything from the small players in the space that are pumping things all the way up through the government um, who is trying their best, I think, to find a way to create some sort of framework around this stuff, but they're very cautious uh, about hindering the development. And I think right now we're at a pivotal point in time where the U.S. has a very good grip on this space. Uh, we have a ton that's developed within the space. I see a lot of it in San Francisco itself. Um, but a lot of these major players are within the U.S. And if we start doing things like taxing miners and doing certain specific things to hinder the growth of the space, they're going to go elsewhere. And so I do admire the fact that they've 
taken a slow approach uh, and tried to really understand this. I've been in calls with the IRS and the SEC uh, in the past with basically client conversations. They want to know how we're valuing these massive funds, how we're dealing with the investments and all that. And it was purely from an instructional standpoint. They needed us to teach them what we were doing. And so being able to set the precedence with stuff like that has been really fascinating because they rely on us to to really guide them. And so I think what I'm getting at is that we have the chance and it's a very rare chance that not only can we open up this whole new market and potentially create generational wealth, but we also have the ability to shape the regulation around that. And looking back, I mean, the stock market and those sort of things have been around since before my time. So I don't know those times of being able to help set up the markets and build out the foundation. And so currently we're able to participate on an individual basis all the way up through institutional, um, but really kind of come together and build this space out and create something special. Um, I think digital money as a whole should have been used years ago. And so it makes total sense that we're moving in this direction. Um, Getting into central bank digital currencies is a whole nother can of worms. But I think um, just overall, I'm very bullish on the long term uh, future of this space. Yeah, definitely. Go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say, like, it's interesting to kind of hear you elaborate on like the government's role in it and them being, you know, not trying to move too fast and break something that is admittedly in its infancy. I know a lot of people have been skeptical about what government would do to crypto. Um, but like with, with that in mind, I guess the regulatory side of things and just setting up a good foundation for the future, like when an advisor is thinking about approaching the space, what types of things, you know, when you're looking at either, you know, like a coin, like Bitcoin or something like Ethereum or one of, you know, the Solanas, Cardanas of the world, like what what is it that people should really be looking at to evaluate these things correctly in terms of the project or the investment? Like, how how do you approach it? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And there's a ton to get into um, or unpack with that. Um, I think first boiling it down into kind of the basics, um, there's the proof of stake and the proof of work concepts um, or blockchains, I should say. So if you're interested in something like passive income, looking towards proof of stake networks like uh, Ethereum or a Cardano, well, Ethereum is moving there, uh, Cardano or one of those where you can buy some assets, hold them or lock them up in some type of investment vehicle that generates passive income via interest or new coins. Um, there's different avenues you can take, but between staking and yield farming, I think that's a fascinating um, sector, especially for wealth advisors to look into because it's essentially dividends, uh, but they can be paid out on a much more regular cadence. And on top of it, if you get the massive appreciation that a lot of these coins do, you're 10xing, 20xing. I mean, you can go wild very quickly um, and you get that compounding effect where not only are you getting the appreciation of the asset, but you're continuing to build out that bag by collecting more staking income over time. And so 
I think staking and yield farming are two um, underutilized assets or uh, vehicles to participate in in the space, especially with big money. I mean, if you put up a lot of money into a staking mechanism, you could be churning out quite a bit. Um, and so I think it's it's definitely underutilized currently. I have a couple of clients that participate in it and they've seen amazing uh, results. And so I think we'll see more and more of that approach um, and DeFi as a whole. The other side of that beyond staking and yield farming is the lending and borrowing. Um, so you can buy assets and lend them earn a massive yield against that. Um, there's companies like Wire or, uh, let's see, BlockFi, where you can stake yeah, your yeah. Bitcoin and earn good amount of interest, uh, much more so than any traditional bank account or savings account. And so I think we're seeing a lot more of that um, utility side to these tokens come about. And as a result, those are a highlighted point in a lot of portfolios currently. But Getting back to your original question, as far as picking an asset, um, I always recommend for a newcomer that they stay on that first page of CoinMarketCap. And that's solely to stay within kind of the broad range of substantial built out projects. For the most part, they've got a market cap of, say, I think it's about 100 million to get onto that first page. So there's been plenty of money allocated to the project. You know, that you're not the only one investing. And at that point, I think you can start to gain some comfort just in the overall sense of buying in. <clears throat> and then you can take it a, a level deeper and start doing the real due diligence. What does the coin do? What are they going to do potentially? Um, stuff like that, I think is huge. And with the the future potential of all of these different blockchains and the the different things they're trying to solve, I think that's where you can really get into what do you like? Do you like real estate? There's now DAOs that purchase land parcels and you own a fractional piece of real yeah. estate or art or any type of collectibles. I mean, they, they have now like NFTs for Rolexes and Yeezys. I mean, you yeah. can really go. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I've seen people I've known in the real estate markets, they've now doing all their contracts and things through smart contracts. Yeah. Um, everything's being executed on chain. And so that creates yeah. that immutable ledger where in the years past, you had to keep that paper trail. And now it's it's on a public blockchain that can be accessed by anyone. And so even from the venture side, I mean, we're looking at a future where as an accountant, I'll be able to take my client's wallet address, consume all of their activity and book all their transactions without ever having to contact them. Yeah. And so there's just so much that can be done. Um, audit teams are loving the fact that they can just go pull all this data from a public ledger. Yeah. He's built out their entire, they have a software service called Halo that does just that for audits. And so there's so much changing. Um, they're talking about putting uh, medical records on chain so yeah. that you can just go scan your QR code at the hospital and your entire medical history is contained in a private controlled environment where you have the private key to access that. Yeah. And there's, there's some fascinating use cases out there. So well, I think that's the thing that's so hard for advisors. It's like, I mean, I talk to them every day as part of my day job and the conversation comes up and, 
you know, they, everyone hears about it all the time. I mean, even for people like, you know, you and me who are interested in it, um, you more so and more involved in it, there's still so many things to wrap your head around. Like, I think particularly for wealth management, one of the biggest challenges is just like, like, what, what do I do? Yeah. Like, like what, like, sure. I could go into some micro caps sort of new coin, but you know, like I, I don't do that. Like I invest in mutual funds and ETFs. Like what, what are maybe some safer avenues or maybe more, I guess, traditional avenues people could consider to just, you know, get an entry level exposure. Like totally. Um, And I, I totally relate to that. My parents are in that, category of not really trusting the space yet um and it's a lack of know-how and just a a minimal understanding with technology but as a result they are interested and definitely perk up when the conversations start but they always pump the brakes at the point of pushing by and so i've turned to my father who loves to trade on the stock market and i've given him coinbase square which is now block um micro strategy you have all the grayscale etfs there's a lot of different ways you can get into this there's mining groups now where you can buy into a mining operation uh, via stock Um, so there's a lot of different ways you can gain exposure and i think um depending on again the risk tolerance and all that sort of stuff um even you could even boil it down to the amount of dollars you're looking to invest um a client may not want to see that they own 0.05 Bitcoin. They'd rather see that they own three or four Ethereum um, kind of thing. So it just, it really boils down to the individual. Um, But as far as what I would recommend for any kind of a broad sense for a wealth advisor would be to target again, I would even restrict it more so to that top 50 um, coins via their market cap and then dissecting what their uh, what their future looks like, create kind of that risk profile, also the upside potential. And then at that point, it's really just picking and choosing winners. Um, but I think like there's some interesting things like Compound and Aave. Again, those are in that DeFi sector where you can buy in, you can own part of the governance token. So you're contributing not only to the network, but you're also contributing to the direction the network heads by having essentially proxy votes via the governance tokens. And then you have the ability to stake, you can lend, you can borrow. Um, and so there's a lot of fascinating stuff. Something else that I've um, I've done personally, and I suggest to a lot of friends that don't want to create a taxable event, you can buy into, say, Bitcoin, let that do its thing. You take a loan out against that Bitcoin, there is no taxable event, and you're now cash positive. You can go reinvest that capital. Obviously, if Bitcoin goes crazy and dips, you're upside down on the loan. Uh, But if that's something of interest, you have that free cash flow, you're still maintaining your ownership of your Bitcoin and you have the opportunity to go do a lot with the cash in the meantime while it's, uh, while it's sitting. And so I think there's, there's just so much potential to do a lot of different things. Um, And so it's hard for me to say that there's nothing that someone could do. I think that's like my biggest thing is there's always something you could find, whether it's a stock that, 
is exposed or whether it's some type of protocol or blockchain that fits into your needs. Uh, but I think in general, if you look hard enough, you will find something that can fit within your portfolio. And as Chamath Palapatiya always yeah. quotes, uh, it's schmuck insurance. This stuff could go to zero. It's very unlikely, um, especially with the talent suck that we've had. I mean, every major company in tech has lost people to some Web3 company in the last six months or year. And we're seeing yeah. it across the board now. Even accounts are getting pulled away and that sort of stuff. So all these things with institutions coming in, regulators stepping up to the plate, all these different things lead me to believe that the future is bright versus dim. And so I think it's worth taking that time to really educate yourself um, as an individual or an advisor, uh, wherever you lay on the spectrum, I think it's worth understanding where the future is headed because I do think that this is our future. Um, and I don't know if it's Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, that's why I, I have a, a decent exposure across the board. I like to diversify yeah. and have positions in a lot of different things. Um, you can catch one of these 100x coins and a small position turns into one of your bigger bags overnight. And so uh, that's my other thing is you don't have to ape in like everyone says. Um, it's more of a meme culture than anything. And so yeah, yeah. making sure that you do your own due diligence, do your own research, understand what you're getting into and take your time, pace yourself. Uh, dollar cost averaging is one of my favorite things to recommend to folks. If you look at Bitcoin, from years back, I mean, it's up 100x, 1000x, it, going back to its initiation, it's up like 100,000x. And so it's really about staying in it and playing the long game. And if you can dollar cost average in, you end up with a decent position and you're typically not offsides long term. And so it's one of those things that I just, I can't recommend enough, as I told you years ago, yeah. and continue to preach to a lot of people. Um, it's just a fascinating opportunity and I think it's worth dedicating some time to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, For sure. Um, what was it? You said something there that I wanted to kind of unpack a bit. So like, obviously you're super optimistic on the space, I guess, where do you kind of like, what should people be worried about? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah regulation, I guess. You seem optimistic about it. I know other people are a little less so. Um, but then like another friend of mine um, who I've mentioned before, he uh, yeah, he's starting his own hedge fund. Like one thing he mentioned specifically for the advisor trying to direct client funds is like, just be careful the custody issues and like who actually holds private keys and how they do it. And like all these things, just because you know, at the end of the day, things can, you know, the, the fraud has been there and that's what obviously the regulators worried about. So maybe just highlight in your head, like what are best practices for people getting into the space? Like what Definitely. should you uh, know, the client know, like, what do you think about? Yeah. And I'm sure the community listening will cringe when I say this, but Coinbase is um, one of my first go-tos as an easy access on-ramp to get people started. 
once they have that kind of general knowledge, they've moved a few things around and dealt with the transactions, I'm then okay with opening them up to self-custodying elsewhere or um, just moving the funds in general. But those first few trades and just getting some exposure, I highly recommend using someone like Coinbase that's a very uh, robust exchange that has the support necessary to get you uh, comfortable with transacting and doing things uh, in this ecosystem. I think all too often people try to just go off on their own and they end up sending a transaction to the wrong wallet or they lose their private key or there's a long laundry list of issues. Uh, the problem is these blockchains don't have companies behind them in most circumstances. They don't have a help desk. Coinbase or somewhere like that does. So yeah. you can fall back on that support, which is a huge help. Um, I've even had coins get lost. They literally got stuck out in the blockchain world and <laughs> they were able to retrieve them for me. So there's definitely some positives. Um, we recommend our clients use third-party custodians at an institutional level for risk reasons, security, for but sure. also for insurance. Uh, I yeah, think that's yeah. something that's highly ignored is although there's no like there's no fdic on crypto yeah there's no like revoking a transaction once you push send that thing is gone and yeah so having insurance and that sort of stuff any way that you can really hedge against the potential risk or volatility of this industry i think you should and so um i think that's just being wise it's not that i don't trust crypto or that i don't think it's going to succeed. It's just covering my bases. And so um, that's why I take that initial approach with recommending something like Coinbase. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, well, let's see, man. Like we got, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Like five or so minutes left. You want to keep going? You want to wrap it up or? Yeah, I'm all for it. Uh, if you have any last questions, um no, I mean, I think this is good for start. Like, you know, this is just one of hopefully many. So, you know, I'm sure there's a million things like as I leave it for the advisors here, like, you know, Tyler touched on a bunch of things that are definitely buzzwords and you could go way deeper into. I mean, one thing we definitely glossed over was CBDCs. Like there's a huge thing to understand there. Yeah. But I think what I would say uh, based on just kind of listening to Tyler's, just know your risk tolerance and just be smart. Like any other investment you would make, whether it's, you know, a public security like stock or bond, or maybe you're going private and getting into venture hedge funds or private equity, like you got to kind of know your limits and what you know. Like, so the thing to really just consider is where are you comfortable? Where's your expertise? And then, you know, outsource to professionals from there. Like, the space is evolving. A lot is happening. It's super exciting, but you know, you get, you gotta be, you definitely need to be careful. Like I, I always kind of think about it. Like um, they, they say web three. So, you know, web one, right. The dot-com bubble, like there were a lot of very interesting things there that just ultimately never panned out. So ultimately we all want to be Microsoft's of the world and not, you know, yeah. name any tech company. So um just be careful and think it through and, you know, reach out and get second opinions, I guess. <laughs> and that's something we should touch on maybe next time is uh, yeah. 
the mergers and acquisition space, I think, is going to be massive over the next few years because we, at some point, will go through a consolidation phase where sure. the slow movers that may have something cool built out um, but don't have traction or yeah. could be a great addition on another project but doesn't really have any footing on its own, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of consolidation. There's just... And looking at, as I mentioned earlier, there's over 19,000 different cryptocurrencies at this point. And I mean, you've got all the joke and meme coins like Dogecoin or Trump coin or whatever. Yeah. Hey, hey, uh, um, all the way up to, too. <laughs> yeah, to the legit Bitcoin and Ethereum's of the world. But I think um, there's only a limited space um, and the market will decide what survives and what doesn't. And just like you were discussing Web1 with, the company, I mean, what happened to AOL? Yeah. <laughs> uh, those kind of things. There's going to be those stories in the crypto space. There already are companies that raised $100 million in 2017 and are gone. Yeah. Um, and so I think we'll see a lot of that. We'll see a lot of M&A. We'll see a lot of just, as I was mentioning, like a lot of dissolving of projects that don't survive. Um, and out of that dust will come a few big kings, um, big winners. And I think it's going to be an exciting space to watch over the future at 1.7 trillion. We got a lot of room to grow. So it's exciting. Oh yeah. Um, well, cool, bud. Let's, let's wrap it here for now. Uh, we can definitely do more down the road and, um, I'll, I'll work on getting this all cut up and ready to roll and we'll get it pushed out. And, um, if you have any recommendations on people to talk to next, specifically related to wealth management, um, intros would be appreciated. Like the whole goal here is just to canvas a space and give wealth management like a, you know, yeah. a resource to even begin to understand like where to go and what's going on. Cause you know, everyone goes to Google, you kind of seem to get the same results. Like, you know, the idea is really just to be a great resource for people to understand and, um, go from there. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And you're tackling an interesting space. Um, I don't think they've had a ton of support in the past. Uh, and their wealth advisors are always kind of slow to move into markets just because they're protecting their clients' wealth. So um, it's an opportune time to start getting that education and the knowledge base and potentially take advantage of these markets so look forward to future conversations we'll definitely uh have some people in mind i have some real-time operators in the space um some guys that are running projects and then there's definitely some folks that i can send your way that are more on the wealth management side um in fact philly's a good one uh, oh should- yeah He's at, he's still at uh, PERS, I think it is. Um, he's an investment officer at Cal, I think it's Cal PERS. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll face them. He's obviously, he's been in crypto with me for years and he now uh, leverage trades it pretty heavily, but.